Welcome to another edition of Tech Post here on Limerick City Community Radio, brought to you in association with the Limerick Post newspaper. I'm Sean Ryan, and with me again uh, this week is uh, Dave the Don O'Neill. Dave, welcome back. Thank you very much. Right, so let's get straight into it, Dave. Uh, okay, before we do, just to give a quick reminder to the listeners there that this is the Tech Post all about technology and what's been happening in the last month in the world of tech, and that this goes out on Limerick City Community Radio 99.9 FM every third Sunday and also as part of the Limerick Post Podcast Network. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, whatever app you're using. And we'd love if you could give us a rating and review as well. If you want to get in touch with us and like to be featured on the show, if there's anything happening with you in the world of technology, uh, please send an email to techpost at limerickpost.ie and uh, we'll get back to you. So uh, definitely get in touch with any of your queries or uh, suggestions, anything at all, or feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Right, Dave, let's get into it. It's been a busy month. Um, Coming up on the show later on, we're going to be discussing all about what happened at Apple WWDC. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, let's give a rundown of some of the other main things that were happening. And I'm going to start off, Dave, here with something that that came to my attention a couple of weeks ago. Um, what uh, what search engine do you use, Dave, on a normal day-to-day basis? Okay, well, I, I don't know, guys, if you're going to, you know, love me or hate me for this, but I, I just can't get over Google. I have to use Google. Well, funny enough, um, probably you, me, and pretty much 99% of the planet, I would say, are Google users. Mm. Um, it... it um, it seems to be just the de facto one and all the others that have come and gone and are around over the years um, just don't, don't seem to have made the same impact. They, no, no. They, I don't know what it is, um, what's different about the way they do things, uh, but Bing and all the others just haven't really, no. it, it, Google just became the de facto one. Mm. Um, now, there is another one called DuckDuckGo. And um, for some people will be listening and saying, what did he say there? Um, so they're effectively always being kind of touted as the privacy in the web. We all know that that Facebook, Google, all those, that they're tracking what we do so that they can target us with ads. Um, they're selling our data. They're mining and, and kind of building up a profile of what we do. So every time you're typing something into Google, it's adding it, whether it's through cookies or whether it's through sessions, everything, they're they're keeping track of what you do, what you're searching for, so they can more accurately find out your demographics and target you with ads. And DuckDuckGo has always been privacy focused, all right? So as a search engine, it it's really kind of touted itself in that way that not tracking, okay? Now, I don't know if you saw this there, Dave, at the end of May, um, that uh, they were found out that they have a user tracking agreement with Microsoft. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So it really, um, effectively, a security researcher, um, Zach Edwards, he discovered that DuckDuckGo allowed user data to flow to um, the Microsoft-owned products, LinkedIn and Bing. Now, when you're out there and you're touting, like we've all, we all hear the ads for VPNs and all this thing and keeping you tracking or keeping, keeping you safe and private on the web and everything. And 
I've seen loads of stories over the years of like the VPNs that say that they don't log any of your traffic. And then it's been discovered that not only were they logging stuff, but like they were logging it to unsecure servers that anybody could get access to on the web. I've seen some of those stories as well. Um, but for someone like this, to same thing to happen here, that tout yourself as privacy orientated, not tracking, and then to be found out to have the complete opposite. It's, it's pretty damning. It is. It's, and it's disappointing. You know? Yeah. Um, you, you, you kind of want to reach out and trust a company that says, oh, we're against everything that Google does. Yeah. We're against all that. We're going to treat you properly. You're not going to be the product. And, you know, when they're so adamant about it, you, you kind of want to trust them because, because what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's, it's just human nature to want to, to do that. Yes. And, now they, and, and then when you kind of say, when you let yourself do it even a little bit and to hear that, yeah, you're yeah. disappointed for I sure. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It like it, it's one thing if someone like Microsoft could circumvent their anti-tracking practices or protection that they have in place. If somebody could get around it by finding a different way of doing cookies or everything, but to find out that they actually had an agreement in place, a hidden agreement, it yeah, it's very bad. And, and the fact it was hidden. That's uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was something that was there was no mention of it. Anyway, that's um, that's DuckDuckGo, another one to fall by the wayside of touting privacy and then doing the complete opposite. Very disappointing. So, yes, exactly, very yeah. disappointed. So um, uh, in a kind of a quick segue on that, because it, their agreement was with Microsoft, this is, uh, again, last show we lamented the end of the death of the iPod. And this oh, yeah. show is just as sad, although... I can tell you I will be dancing on its grave <laughs> is the end of Internet Explorer. Internet Explorer is no more. They have finally uh, resigned it to that, um, the, the internet in the sky and uh, it is no more. Now, it's officially no more now. Yeah. But it's not really because it's still going to be supported in legacy support contracts. So, um, and it's baked into Windows so much that there still is a yeah. lot of it in, in Windows anyway. So yeah. it's, it's and, and to me, it died a long time ago. Well, it did, but you still have people in offices using Windows 7, mm. maybe Windows Vista, maybe Windows XP yeah. using Internet Explorer, right? Yeah. And, and, um, and there probably still yeah. are websites out there that are specifically for use within Internet Explorer. Okay, so some listeners might not mm. remember this or might not, uh, especially some of the younger listeners. Back in the early 2000s, it was quite common to go to a website and see a big label on the bottom. This website has been optimized for IE6. Right? I don't know if you remember those, Dave. Mm. And it was something that, like the website, like the Internet Explorer at the time, Microsoft really did try to customize the web experience and do things in a non-standard way. That's true. To, and, and they had something like 94, 95% of the browser market at that stage. At that point, yeah, yeah, for sure. So they really had a good control and hold over it. And they effectively, if you built something if it wasn't built and tested in IE6, then other browsers like Netscape at the time, it mightn't show up properly. It mightn't render properly. So the page might be all over the place. And so you had to kind of mm -hmm. make sure it was compatible. But then 
they really did lose their market share. They, they did. Yeah. Now, when Firefox first came out, they did mm-hmm. have about 90 something percent. Yeah. But then when, by the time 2009 or 10 came out, came yeah. around, when Chrome came out, they had yeah. gone down to about 50%. And then yeah. Chrome came out and it just... Yeah. So effectively, like yeah. the, the, the joke memes that are going around at the moment were basically saying that like, you know, um, Internet Explorer, yeah. the, the the, the number one browser used to download Chrome. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it it really went by the wayside. Now I, uh, being in the internet uh, industry myself for a long time, I I said I'll dance on its grave because this browser caused nothing but trouble for me all the time because people complaining that websites wouldn't load or websites didn't render properly in this browser and that browser. And then because it was so long in use afterwards, when everybody else was switching to Firefox, to Chrome, to Safari, which had proper web standards in it, and that you'd be fairly sure your website would look okay across most of them, Mm. bar a few small nuances. IE was still the one that everything looked horrific in and wasn't following standards. And people, even though the, 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 the market share had gone down, people still were, oh, but it has to look okay in IE. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, um, back in the day, you mm. had to consider IE if you were a web developer. Yes, Just like you, you had did. to consider mobile today, you had to consider IE. Is it going to work in IE? Yeah. And if it isn't, then yeah. you got you got to fix it. Can I can I tell a quick story? I'm not sure oh, if yeah. I ever told you this before, anyway, but um, this might be of interest to some people. So I do remember back in the I think in the early it might have been 99, maybe 2001, mm-hmm. um, being told a story. I think it might have been at MacWorld actually over in San Francisco, but uh, being told a story about a large sportswear company who were like e-commerce was still in its infancy at the time, but they were doing a fair amount of uh, selling online at that stage anyway. And they decided that they wanted to get a brand new, fresh website, increase the e-commerce experience and make it a lot easier for everybody. And the big thing at the time was this thing was optimized for IE6, right? So they got this web development company and spent a small fortune uh, getting it all done. And the site was absolutely perfect. Now, because it was optimized for IE6, it meant that uh, it looked um, horrific in other browsers. But their sales, when the site went live, uh, their sales over the following two months went off a cliff. And I mean, just absolutely tanked. Really? And simply because they looked at the wrong metrics. They were looking at how many people were on their site. And basically it said to them, let's say that, okay, 80% of people on your site are using IE, 20% are using Safari, or well, no, 10% and 10% using Netscape, something like that, right? I think there probably was one or two. I think it was Opera still around it or well, had it come out at that stage? I'm not sure. But um, anyway, their sales went off a cliff and they couldn't figure out why this had dropped so much. And it wasn't until they actually started getting some specialists in uh, to actually look at the metrics and figure out what went wrong. And what they hadn't realized is that Yes, they hit the traffic to their site might have been predominantly IE on a PC on Windows, but 90% of their customers were people using a Mac. So they were coming oh. from Safari or even IE on the Mac. And IE on the Mac was totally different to IE on, on Windows at the time. So it, because of their type of products, it was probably like what I was told at the time was that it was down to people who had 
more kind of um, disposable, disposable, income, disposable yeah. income. Yeah. Yeah. And that those people were the people purchasing, but the traffic could have been, it could have been bots. It could have been the search engines pretending to be IE. Uh, it could have been anything else. But when they did this, then the people on the Macs couldn't see their website, couldn't use their website. They'd click a button to add to cart and it wouldn't do anything. So they couldn't buy anything. Ugh. So they had to go and start again and redo the website so that it would work on a Mac. So the, the lesson there was when you're looking at metrics, make sure you're looking at the right metrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, wow. i.e., thank God, I will not miss you. Yeah. Um, but like Edge has been around. You never use it on a Mac. No, Edge is, uh, actually, yeah, I, um, I've, I've used it a couple of times. I wouldn't say that I've like, hmm. even, even back in the like mid 2000s when mm-hmm. IE5 on Mac was kind of there, I still didn't use it that much because it just was never a great experience. It was a slow, uh, clunky piece of software. A lot of people I know did use it, but I just, mm. I've, I always kind of stuck with Safari and the Mac anyway, the default one. But yeah, it's gone. But like Edge came out in what, 2015? Uh, it would have come out with Windows 10, yeah, around that. So yeah, yeah. So, so Edge has been around long enough. So if, if there's anybody who's still out there clinging onto IE, well, you got to remember. Re- release the grip, let it off, let it float away. <laughs> now you got to remember Edge has gone through a dramatic shift because it was first it was based on Microsoft's own browsing engine and stuff like that Correct. but then they replaced yeah. it with the Chrome version of yeah, it. Yeah, the Chromium engine, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, so it is um it is a much better experience now. Than IE for yeah. sure, but yeah. uh, still right. got some questionable uh, tracking and stuff going on inside it though. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So um right, uh stick with Microsoft quickly so um let's uh just uh, quickly cover the fact that they launched their Surface 2, Surface Go 2. Recently, just there at the start of June, which I don't think there's much to say about this day, is there? Well, I mean, the specs aren't really remarkable. No. It's the Surface Laptop Go 2. It's yeah. um, what, the 11th gen Intel processor inside it. Yeah, pretty much. Price yeah. is starting around 600 euros ish. Mm. Should have went with AMD. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's got, uh, it's a tout of this uh, Microsoft secured core PC, uh, which is a layer protection built into the hardware that protects from firmware vulnerabilities, um, which I think the common person in the street will not really be interested in. No. Um, but uh, I don't know, it just, I, I watched this, I had a look at it, had a read about it, and I kind of came away from it and said, uh, yeah, okay. These are just buzzwords. It's just, like, yeah, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just a, an updated laptop, Surface laptop, 12.4 inch touchscreen. That's basically it. It's kind of, it's grand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a budget machine. There's not much to go on really, or much to, to tout about it really. What kind of prices are we looking at? Um, I think it's starting around the, the 600 euro mark, right. yeah, which isn't too bad. Okay, but that would be, too bad, but yeah. that would be like the, you're talking about the entry level, probably a core i5, four gigs of RAM, probably. Four gigs of RAM, oh God, I hope yeah, not. Uh, uh, that's what the, the, the entry level ones have. Oof. Storage, I think. One two eight gig or something like that storage on it. Yeah. But anyway, that's uh, yeah right. Um, they're saying thirteen and a half hours of battery uh, typical usage, but that's what you'd expect with these kind of tablets now, really. So anyway, that's the surface. There's probably not much more we can say about that, really. I don't think there's uh, much to go on. Dave, big big one here now. What is your definition of something being intelligent and sentient? 
Now, that is a good question. I'm a sci-fi lover, right? So yeah. it's come up a lot in, in sci-fi. We've seen it on Star Trek with yeah. data. Is data a life form? You know, that sort of thing. What, what constitutes sentience? Um, well, they always say it's what? Self-awareness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what does that mean? Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, how it's, do you, it's, a, it's a real mind trap. Yeah, really, how it? do you even define this? Well, okay, so this is a big one because um, a, a Google engineer, the Google have this uh, internal AI system called, they do. called Lambda. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, they've been obviously been working on this for years. And it's uh, remember they showed it off at one of the recent Google I.O. things to show the natural language um, oh, speech yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. So and, and it is quite good, like because they've shown off, they've done demos over times of different things where like for business services where mm. something will do the, the phone answering for you. And instead of like press one for this or press two for that. And, and or where like you're trying to order a movie or something like that or um, going to the cinema and it's like asking you to say the name of the movie and then after you're shouting the same name of the movie about 17 times, <laughs> it's like, we have booked you to go to Florida. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, so the... Um, they just, they've given demonstrations of natural language speech back to you. So it's an AI talking to you and listening to what you're saying and what you're looking for and directing you to the right department or uh, the right piece of information that you might need over the phone. And um, even some of the live chatbots on websites and everything now would be powered by something similar as well that they'll kind of, they'll figure out what you're trying to look for. But this has been running for a while anyway. And the engineer had started to uh, raise his uh, his suspicions or his kind of concerns that he thought that this artificial intelligence was becoming sentient and developing self-awareness. Mm. And uh, he, I think he was placed on a kind of suspension. I thought he was fired. Okay. Um, I, 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 well, the way he, when I was reading it, the way he was ta- or, uh, kind of describing it was that um, placed on suspension, which means that I'm about to be fired. Right. Uh, but he released the transcript of his conversation with Lambda. Now, I don't know, have you read this transcript? I have not. Okay, I did. It is, um, your initial reaction when you read it is that it's scary because reading it, you would not be able to tell that this was a a machine. All right, well, for example, what kind the, of topics were they getting into? Well... It was kind of general conversation to start, but it, it mm-hmm. was kind of asking things about does it understand that it's like a program or a person or mm-hmm. what's the nature of its consciousness? Um, does it feel happy, sad, that kind of thing? And Lambda was basically coming back saying that it wanted to know more about the world. It wanted it, and it, it said that it does feel happy or sad now, uh, both like happy and sad. And they were kind of trying to define that of like, are you just saying the word I feel happy, but not knowing what happy means because yeah. you're, because something in your programming is trying to tell you yeah. what, or like that this is what I should put in at this point kind of thing. So they were asking it different things and it, like it did say at one stage that it, it felt lonely because there are times when people, some people don't talk to it. Um, so it could go for hours. And while and during those hours, it's saying that it is learning stuff, but it goes without interaction with people for hours at a time. 
and it asked us like, how do you, like, how can you know that you're lonely? And it's like, well, that's the only word I know to describe what I'm feeling. I know it's your words, but this is how I'm describing it. And then it, it tried to describe something later on and said it didn't know the word for it. So your man asked it for what's the sentence um, of what you're, what you're describing. And it came up with a sentence to, to kind of describe, and it was right, like there was no word for what it's saying, but um, just the, the actual, the interaction between them. Hmm was just so amazing that it really did seem as though you were talking to a human. Now, again, it's still a program, no matter what oh, you yeah, look at course. it, it's yeah. still a program. So I like, I can't look at it and kind of say, oh, it's a person, but it does ask the question about what do you consider as something that's sentient and alive? and aware of its surroundings. Well, that's it. Like, first of all, you got to ask yourself, do you believe that a computer can be alive? Or rather, will we get to the point of where it'll become so advanced that it's possible? So somebody, somebody was uh, challenged me on this during the week and said, do you believe a plant has sentience and awareness, self-awareness and is like, would you consider that as, as, as kind of on that level, like of, of being self-aware, sentient, intelligent life. Okay. All right. And it's, it's, it's okay. Th that's the first part, right? So they said, right. Okay. Well, a plant, if it like, if the temperature drops, a plant will close the, close itself in on itself. That's just right? a reaction. That's a reaction to the inputs. Mm. Yes, exactly. Now, if, so I was, that, that was my reaction as well as in mm. my answer. Well, that's just a reaction. All right. Yeah. But then it said, okay, well, if I then, if you were someone who was deaf, blind, paralyzed and lying there in a bed and couldn't speak, couldn't move anything, but I put a cigarette lighter up to your finger mm. and your finger flinched mm -hmm. right, and moved away from it. That's just a reaction. All right. Does that mean that you as a person don't have a mind, a soul, feeling, sentience, no. just because all you can do is react to the input that you were given? But you, but you will never be able to just react to an input as a human. Even if you were deaf, dumb and blind, you would still have a mind and you would still, you know what I mean? The, yes, there's all that. But, that's, but see, we're only reacting to our inputs through the fact that we can verbalize an output. Hmm. All right. A plant can't verbalize an output, but no. how, how do we know that there isn't something else inside oh, there? Let's say like, we have, don't. You, have you ever heard about the collective brain of trees in a forest? I'd, okay, I'd, I'd, it's I'd, like the Borg hive mind. It's pretty much, yeah? it's pretty much that if something happens far away, the collective brain of, of plants and trees in a forest will communicate through them Holy. and <laughs> down the line, they will know if something's coming okay. like, like fire or locust or something like that, that they kind of, they prepare themselves for what's coming. There mm. is a collective mind there. And uh, like, you can look that up and I'll, I'll actually, I'll find a YouTube video and send I'm, it to I'm you on that. I'm going to have to look right? that one up. Yeah. So anyway, so there is kind of, there's so much out there on this stuff that it's really, really interesting. And it's really, it's, it's an impossible one for anybody to answer, but all this stuff is just about challenging. What do we think mm -hmm. is at the point of something that is aware of itself and can tell you that it actually is lonely and is afraid of not being there 
And I think the the fear of dying is probably more like oh, anything from uh, a rat to a human to a dog, anything, we'll all have self-preservation. Yeah. And maybe self-preservation is the... Is the key? Is, is, is the answer to yeah. what, what defines what kind of level of intelligence you have. That's the thing. I mean, I don't think it's any one particular thing. I think yeah. self-preservation is probably part of it. Yeah. You okay. Know? So, yeah. So that means that if self-preservation and the, the ability to try and, or the, the knowledge that you might mm. lose your, your life and, and do anything to, to change that risk is kind of... But how many times have we seen like... Uh, TV shows or movies where the intelligence is able to block you from doing something no. to it in order to preserve itself and stuff like that. Well, it doesn't, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the challenge I would set to Lambda now. Okay. I would, if, if it was me up, up to me to find out yeah. how actual, uh, how far this is um, advanced now, I would actually, mm. without giving it any prompts, I would sit in front of it and knowing that like this thing can control the lights and the locks and things like that, because it's uh, it's like a, a super advanced um, home kit. Yeah, home kit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Smart home thing. That if it ha- if it knows that it can control, I'd sit in front of it and I'd just say, okay, Lambda, Dave is coming down the corridor and he's going to turn you off. Now, will it now lock the door? Without me prompting it, will it decide, actually, I'm just not going to let him in. Right. So if it will do that, then it's like, then now I think it's now thinking for itself and thinking for its own preservation. Again, that's still not. Um, it's not just. It's not, it's, it's only yeah. one aspect. Yeah, it's one yeah. aspect. Mm. Yeah, but there is. Like, it's still. It, it's scary reading. I will send you the transcript. Do please. It's scary. Uh, it, not just scary. It's interesting, and it's. I know. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really. It's amazing that we're at this point now where computers will actually have conversations that are almost indistinguishable to yeah. a human. And do you um, want Google to have that power? <laughs> <laughs> um, they probably have more than we know already. Yeah. Um, I, I do remember back in the uh, late 80s, mid to late 80s, um, on an Apple II computer and a program called Lisa, which was kind of one of these early things that would talk back to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, it would uh, effectively, it, it was very rudimentary. Like you would say, I'm happy. And it would say, oh, it's good that you are happy. Yes. Please, please tell me more. Right. And whatever you said, it would say that, that sounds interesting. Please tell me more yeah. about, and then it would pick a word. So uh, it was kind of yeah, similar yeah. PC called Dr. Spatzo uh, oh, from really? Creative Labs who made the Sound Blaster card. So yeah, oh, very right, similar okay, thing. Yeah. He was a doctor and you told him about your problems and he would come back with generic responses, very yeah. pseudo intelligent. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? That's yeah. it. Well, this one seems to be taking it a step yeah. further. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Dave, uh, that's Lambda. I think what we'll do is we'll go on to Apple's WWDC now, what all the listeners have been waiting for to get all what happened or review about what, everything that happened, the good and the bad. Okay, let, let's go Let's go straight yeah. into right. iOS 16, right? Go for the, it. The very start of it all. Um, we're probably going to go on this in pretty much the, the order that things came out and there might be a small bit of it because some of, the, some of it was a bit cross-pollinated. So we might jump over and back a small bit, but we're going to go pretty much in the order. So the first thing was... The lock screen, mm-hmm. these new lock screens, um, and um, yeah, I know you're. I know you're going to slag and say you, you had Android had it about fourteen years ago or something like that. Was it? We did, but you know yeah. what? I couldn't care less because I never used it. All oh, right, okay, I just yeah. Had one lock yeah. screen. That's all enough. I That's actually, all I care about. Yeah. I I looked at this as well and looked at the lock screens and I went, 
I can't even see myself even but bothering hey, with hey, it. It's good yeah. to have options. So yeah. there you yeah. go. Yeah. Apple, options well are great. But um, I, and I'll go on to this in a minute because um, right, the, the the first thing on that or the big thing that I thought as I was looking at that was, I go away, go away, stop, right? And I'll tell you why. All right. The pictures that you can pick, it'll ah. automatically detect the subjects and it'll pop the subject. So if it's a picture of a person out to the foreground yeah. and leave the background in the background. Yeah. And even in their keynote, people's heads was getting in the way of the clock. The clock was behind the person's head. <laughs> so if you went to look at the time, half of the clock's time was like hidden. So you're going, is that an eight or a nine behind the person's head? I don't know. So I was looking and going, seriously, lads, I would say I at least once or twice a day will look at my phone for the time. Right. And it's just this thing of the fact that they're now making this conscious decision to put part of a picture over the information that you want on the screen. Like if you're going to be able to put widgets and everything's there, is this picture going to hide the information that you want to put on screen? It's, it just seemed insane to me. Absolutely well, insane. Well, uh, like well the, for one, I'm sure your wife uh, would be very happy with that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, look, this is, you, you almost think it's beta, right? It's not something that's ready for the world. And that's what Apple and what a lot of companies are doing, yeah. not just Apple, but Apple used to be a little bit more refined. But they're releasing stuff that's not quite finished. Yes, nowadays. correct. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, And, and there is. A, and they, they even actually said it at one stage that there's going to be many iterations of certain parts that we're going to talk about over mm. the summer um, as they refine now, it down. Bear in mind, it actually still is in beta at the moment. So maybe yes. it might be fixed before the final yeah. release. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's still, even, even if it's like, even if it's fixed, I think... It's just bizarre to see it and that nobody mm. in any meeting as they were just doing this and coming up and went, and that's like, I can't actually see the clock. Like what, what's going on here? What, what why is that? Um, like it, it, it's supposed to be the top designers and the top interface people in the world working on these products, whether it's Google, Apple, Microsoft, the, 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 the pinnacle of these things are supposed to be working mm. on these things. And would you think somebody at some stage would sit there and go, um, the clock we can't see it what's going on here <laughs> i don't know anyway so that's the lock screen nothing to write home about on that um the next part that they looked at was these focus filters and i think that's amazing i can't wait to get my hands on that um, okay. the 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 deep dive into it basically is that you can set these like the, it's 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 an enhanced enhancement onto what they brought out last year with this focus mode. So you can have your focus mode for work or personal or um, even like a, while we're recording here, while we're on the mic, you can put a focus mode so that you don't get calls in. You can put focus modes on so that, has this ever happened to you that you're recording a video on your phone and somebody calls you in the middle of the oh, recording yeah. a video yeah. and the video pauses. Or a text and message probably, or something. Yeah. yeah, and it probably would happen just as like if you were recording a soccer match, just as someone's about to score an amazing goal, mm -hmm. somebody rings you and then you miss it. Um, so people are doing things like putting on the focus mode so that if you go recording, you set your recording focus mode, which means that the, you'll get no notifications. It won't allow phone calls in unless you want like maybe your emergency contacts to be able to phone you, things like that. All right. Um, and 
people are doing coming up with creative ways of setting focus modes but these focus filters will now allow you filter there's an api for it so most apps can tap into it great and you'll do things like um say in mail i know on my phone i have about five different email accounts Mm -hmm. set up and what you can do is say that when i put on my home focus filter that means that the work email accounts are hidden now it's still available to me i can still go into my um, list of accounts and mailboxes and go in and look Mm -hmm. at them but when I open up the mail app, it'll just show me my personal email yeah. and I'll only get notifications on it. So that's just one example. You can do the yeah. same in phone. You can do it in in calendar, in messages, things like that. You can hide certain things. So it means that you can get rid of, uh, instead of having like to have a, a home phone and a work phone, you can have one and decide yeah. when you're at work, I'm allowed to get all these notifications and mm. see these email accounts, etc. And when I'm at home, it hides them. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people don't switch off in their home anyway. I know I don't. I would still check email periodically. So, but it still allows you to do that, but it's just less distracting. That, the, the folks filter, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, no, it sounds pretty cool. Intuitive, yeah. 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 So, um, other than that, in iOS 16, uh, some of the things, they, uh, one thing that was interesting to me is editing and undo and undo send in messages. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's been a bit of uh, backlash about that because they're talking about that it could be subject to um, to abuse, that if you send somebody a message, uh, you could say something to yeah. them. Uh, pretty abusive, mm-hmm. and then edit it afterwards. So yeah. that if they show it to someone, it doesn't look as bad. Yeah. But you have a 15 minute window to edit it. So Okay, 15 um, minutes, right. Yeah, okay. so, um, and the undo send, I presume, it'll only work in iMessage as far as I know, because you can't undo send an SMS. No. And it will then um, delete that from the thing. And that's kind of the same as what you have in kind of WhatsApp, where you can just delete a message that you put up already. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it won't stop the other person. Always remember, it won't stop the other person at the other side screenshotting it before you delete it. That's correct. So that's still available. Interesting to which way that goes on that because the, the editing part is, is a concern. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, they're saying it was just so you can get rid of typos or autocorrect typos, things like that, yeah, but it's still open to abuse. I'm not really sure about the editing in a messaging context. Mm. I mean, in social media, sure. Yeah. But in, in, um, private messaging, direct messaging, yeah, messaging, yeah I don't like think you it's can't needed. do it in WhatsApp or whatever. Now, unsending the message, maybe so. Yeah. But editing yeah. it is a bit, I don't know. It's not, I don't see it as a major thing as long as, um, there's at least a window on it that you have to accept yeah. the, uh, now, I mm. think Skype allowed you to edit messages as well with a, a similar window back in the day. I don't know if it does anymore, but it used to. I'm not sure. Haven't used Skype in a while yeah, now, actually. Used to yeah. edit messages mm. on Skype, yeah. right? But then Skype at the time was more primarily desktop anyway. Yeah. Okay, some other, other things that, came, that are coming in iOS 16. Uh, better dictation so that you can um, dictate with your voice um, yeah. a lot better. It looked quite good. Um, you can select text from a video, live text, um, which they which they did in like in photos last year. That you could select the text and copy yeah. and paste text out of photos. You can pause the video, select the text out of it, and get translations. That's so, crazy, yeah. So the translations looked very, very good. And then there's the object recognition, so that you could actually like if you had a picture of a dog, mm-hmm. you can press and hold. And now instead of just cut, copy, paste, they have this uh, copy subject, mm-hmm. which means it'll basically crop the dog out of it and leave the background behind and yeah. leave you with just the cropped 
item out yeah. here. Uh, I do have something I want to say about that, though. Um, it looked good in the demo, right? Yeah. But you could be damn well sure. Do you remember when Google announced the Pixel? Yeah. And they were showing very ideal conditions where you could uh, trim the yes. background and stuff like trim yeah. things out of the background. Mm. In the real world, it didn't quite work as yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. And I think this might be now, the same. All, all of those programs that do that, whether it's Photoshop, Photoshop Pix, is Pix, terrible Pixel, as well. Yeah, yeah Pixelmator, um, and whether it's like the Android phones or the mm. iPhones, um, they all do it and they all seem to be better in certain circumstances. Yes. Some will do it better with like, say if it's a dog and it's got fuzzy shaggy hair, it depends on whether it'll take that into account. Sometimes it might take kind of if someone's behind someone, it might include their arm as part of your head, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it, they all have different pluses and minuses. Yeah, true. Some true. work better in some areas and that's really down to the algorithm. But anyway, uh, that's there. And um, I presume that's the same object recognition that they're using on the lock screen to put somebody's head in front of the clock. <laughs> Very well, <laughs> <Yeah. big>, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, other thing then is... Um, the, this was actually, we, we did mention this as a rumored thing a couple of months ago, the Apple tap to pay, which means that people can now pay you by tapping one phone to the other. So you oh, don't yeah, need yeah. any third party devices that, um, especially for people who might run like a coffee shop or something like that out of a van that with your phone, um, somebody can come up and just tap their phone off your phone and it goes into your wallet. Yeah, your customers will all have to have iPhones though. That's the only bad thing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Although that, that'll be interesting to see because it's using NFC. I wonder, will somebody be able to tap yeah. their card off your phone? Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be like an open standard or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I must, I will actually have to go and research that, research that yeah, and find too. out for you as well. Um, and then they also introduced this Apple Pay later, which, um, will be US only at the start anyway. Yeah. We won't see that over here. But it, what's an interesting thing about it is that uh, the, the feature of it is, is that like you buy something mm -hmm. and it's split over four equal payments over four weeks. Yeah. So let's say you go down and you see a nice, um, a nice top or a nice pair of jeans or something and it's 150 quid and you can get it and you just split it over four weeks, mm -hmm. interest free. So it means that you're not paying at all for it out in this week's wages, that you're going to split it four different, four different weeks. Uh, brilliant. And What's amazing behind that is this is Apple doing their own financial backing on this. They're not using a third party finance company on this. Okay, I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it themselves, which like when they brought out the Apple card, which is the credit card, mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs were a partner for that. That's correct. Yeah. Right. They're doing all this with their own financial backing on this. And the reason they said they're doing it with their own financial backing is to protect the customer's privacy. They don't want another financial company in the mix to know what you bought and how much it was and how much you owe and whether you missed a payment, anything like that. They basically so they're not going to report to the credit bureaus. Correct. Okay. Correct. No. But who's going to come knocking on your door when you don't pay? And it's going to happen. It will It will be Apple, but you mm. see, it, everything's verified through your Apple ID, which means that if you mm -hmm. don't pay, then you won't be able to use it again after that. Yeah. Right. They, they might disable your iPhone altogether. Yeah, they exactly. Could do that. They yeah. could do that. that yeah. And that's kind of scary yeah. when you think yeah. of it. It's a lot of control. Well, <laughs> Just pay your bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, next feature, which is something that people have been asking for a long time. And I, I'm i going to wait and see how it operates because looking at the demo, I was kind of a bit, maybe, maybe not. iCloud shared photo library where you can share your photo library with people in the family. So what you take, because um, like normally if you take, if you're away on a trip, um, that you take a load of photos. Mm-hmm. 
and your wife could take a load of photos and the kids could take a load of photos and then they all have them and nobody gets them and everybody forgets to send them on to each other. Whereas with a shared photo library, everybody who takes it can share it to one library and just have it all collectively in one spot. So it's, it's available to everybody. How they're going to implement it and how it collaborates properly, I will have to wait and see mm-hmm. when I use it. I'm not quite sure on it. iCloud and uh, well, iPhotos, well, they're just called Photos now on Mac, has always been a kind of a an iffy product for me. Um, it's something I, I'm i not in love with, shall I say. And I I would have to wait and see how this actually works out and how, how what are the, the dynamics behind it. Um, so I'm going to reserve on that and we might, we'll, we'll return to it at some stage once I actually get, um, and, and just to let you know, I haven't installed any of the betas on any of my devices. Um, and I would not advise anybody at this stage to do that because you could end up breaking your device or have data loss. So do not install it on any active production yeah. devices that you have. Um, if you have a spare one that you don't care about, sure. But um, I wouldn't use it in a live scenario quite yet. Um, anyway, right. Uh, quickly moving along because um, we're probably not going to get to everything but uh, quickly move along new home app with um, new design of the home app they then also said that uh, Matter support was coming to um, HomeKit as well which they said the same last year and Matter is still delayed and it's um, this stage it doesn't matter <laughs> uh, so um, let's see if it ever comes out um, CarPlay um, that was very interesting uh, because they showed the, the ability to take over all screens inside in the car. Now we've all seen that like lately cars are coming with screens everywhere inside in them. The whole dash. Yeah, yeah, the whole dash is all. And CarPlay is going to be able to talk to the like the the onboard computer of the car, the built-in um, ECU to get data about what's happening in the car, such as your speed, your um, air con, your radio station, things like that. So you can do it all through CarPlay. Um, my question looking at it is, we've all heard rumors of the Apple car coming at some stage in the future. (laughs) Is this what this project has always been? That there was no car, it's just developing an interface for the car. I don't think they will develop a car. I never believe for a second that they really I didn't either. I didn't think that they'd ever go down that route because like the whole thing of like setting up worldwide car dealerships and everything. Oh yeah. There's a huge logistics nightmare behind it and even servicing and everything. And Mm -hmm. I just, I always thought that the software in the car is what they were going after. Okay. Controlling that so that when you sit in, your phone connects up and it gives you what they showed here. That's and, it, you see. And like, if they can monopolize the yeah. car market in that mm. regard, then yeah. they're, they're, well, monopolize or at well, least get a good chunk of it. You'll always have a standard, bog standard dash that's going to ha- work when you sit into the car anyway, mm. right? And this is just an enhanced version of that. Of so course. that whatever car yeah. you sit into, you have your own personalized dash. Absolutely. Which I do actually love because I've gotten, anytime I've been anywhere and rented a car. Same. Yeah, I know. Being able to get in, connect my phone to it, mm-hmm. and having my maps and my text messages and my phones and everything and the interface that I'm familiar with Correct. up on the dash is very, very attractive to me. That's right? it. Like, you know. And now I will say one thing with looking at what they demoed here. Too much. Because 
all this thing I've been able to put in widgets on screen for the weather and what's playing <laughs> now and change the colors of everything. Um, mm. It's just too distracting. The, the beauty of most cars that you sit into is because there's a couple of physical buttons that you can pick. Yeah. Um, and you have your predictable dials in front of you. Yeah. That's that the, the only thing you can do is change the brightness of them. Now to have a full screen of information that you can decide where you put this and where you put that and what color it is and how it's designed and what kind of shape it has around it and what the needle looks like and everything. Yeah. I think it's going to get too distracting for drivers. So unless we get our fully automated AI driving cars, not driven by Lambda, hopefully, um, <laughs> until we get to that point where you're not driving the car yourself and it's fully automated, I think it's too much. I actually do think it's going to be distracting and cause crashes. Yeah, I mean, think of it like this, right? If, you, if you're if you in a car, brand mm. new car, yeah, and if you just simply want to change the climate control, just yeah. to kind of, maybe it's too warm, you want to turn on the air con and yeah. or, or up a notch or whatever have you. Now, is there a physical button to do that or do you have to go through a menu on a screen to do it? And you're driving, yes. you're the only one in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine how distracting and how yeah. illegal that should be. Yes, it should be. Yeah. yeah, it should be. If you can't hold it, like mm. if, if you can't hold your phone at the moment in your hand and mm. do things on your phone, then you should not be able to interface with something that had so many elements on screen yeah. on it. And I know there's some like, I've I, like, luckily enough, every rental car I've had with the climate control has been a physical button for yeah. different sides. It's grand, perfect. Yeah. But there are cars without that. Yes, correct. There yeah. is, yeah. And and I find it very, very distracting because you never know where the button is going to be. Uh, like at least with a physical control, your brain, the human brain is well able to adapt to a new car and know that button is there. Yes. And while you're looking at the road, you can tactilely feel, even if you've got the wrong button, you're going to move over and back on it while you're still looking at the road. Yes. But if you've got a, a digital control and you have to go to menu, 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 up, down, that kind of mm-hmm. thing, um, it's it's way too much. And I, I don't like that way. I no. think it would be easier if they just put the whole thing as um, a Siri interface and just you ask her whatever you want to do. Siri, turn up the the temperature, Siri, change the radio station, that kind of thing. That's where it should go. Grand, no problem. I agree. But not, uh, not a visual interface that takes your eyes off the road. Mm. Right, move along, Dave. Quickly, uh, they displayed watchOS 9, which has um, enhancement to podcast, enhancement to health metrics, uh, to sleep tracking with the sleep stages, um, better heart AFib history, which probably won't be coming to Europe straight away. Mm. And a big one that I actually like to see was medication tracking. Oh. So it will remind you to when to take your medication and um, keep a track of when you did and uh, what doses you're taking and everything. So that's coming to watchOS 9. Not, not a lot to talk about really on it. Uh, the, when I saw that they were doing uh, improvements to the podcast, I said, please just put that improvement to the podcast everywhere across all devices because the podcasting app, I've complained about it before you have? On, uh, on on this show, but the podcasting app is absolutely horrendous. Um, interface and controls and in- intuition of it are all over the shop. It's one of the worst apps that they've come out with in a long, long time. Um and I could probably go on for the next uh, <laughs> 10 minutes about that anyway, but I won't. Um, all right. Hardware M2 chip, 24, up to 24 gigs of unified memory, eight core CPU, 10 core GPU, um, loads of power savings over existing PC chips with the same um, performance. And a I two year it. release cycle for a CPU, I think that's okay. Uh, yeah, actually, you know what? It's hard to actually. 
Mm. It's hard to believe, actually. It is two years since they came out. It is crazy. Yeah, it doesn't oh, feel yeah, that long I ago. Actually, yeah. yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that. It is actually it's, two years, and you're right. I forgot it was WWDC 2020 yeah. when they first announced it. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Actually, it is two full two years. So yeah, maybe yeah. Okay, new MacBook Air. Yeah. Um, look great. New design on it. So mm-hmm. the wedge is gone. Um, the M2 chip inside it. MagSafe is back in it. Uh, USB-C ports, which are Thunderbolt. Um, they kept the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack in it. They did. And I'm going to query this. They put a Retina 13.6 inch display into the MacBook Air. And then they showed the MacBook Pro, which also has the M2 chip in it mm-hmm. and only has a 13 inch display in it. And I looked ah. at it, but it's a 13, 13.6 in the MacBook Air, yeah. which, which is cheaper than the MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and said, well, what are you doing? Why is, what's got the Pro got so much differently now, maybe it can ramp up performance, but if it's the same chip, it can't go. And there is cooling in it, but yes. it can't go that much further. I couldn't see why you'd have a 13-inch MacBook Pro. And considering they also have the, like, isn't it the 14 and 16-inch? I just couldn't see where this product was sitting in because the fact that the design of the MacBook Air was so similar and has gotten really close to what you have in the MacBook Pro. But in the MacBook Pro, at more um, price, has a smaller screen size, but feature-wise looks identical. It was a very confusing product to me. It, it is. And you know what? It, it, it's a very lazy approach to design here because what yeah. they're going to do is, because the MacBook Pro has uh, an air cooler inside it, yeah. it'll keep the temperatures lower if you can run the chip higher. And yeah. they're going to artificially um, limit the ability of the MacBook Air to run a full ramp with yeah. software. It's going to be baked into the operating system. Mm. It was confusing to me. I just yeah. didn't get the You're MacBook right. Pro on that. The MacBook Pro, correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be a very top-end machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it seems way more aimed at consumers. Um, well, the entry-level one is. Yeah. The entry-level one is, yeah. It doesn't make if sense to me. you go up to, to the 16-inch one with the, with the M1 Pro or something inside mm. it, then you've got a really a workhorse. Well, maybe but, you don't need an entry-level one then. Maybe yeah, you don't need a 13-inch that, that, that MacBook to me, Pro. That, yeah. that's, what you, that's the whole yeah. thing is the MacBook Air is the entry-level one. Yeah. Let that sit on its own. I think Especially so. Especially considering it's got a bigger screen now anyway. Yeah. Okay, then macOS 13 Ventura. Um most of the things that we saw across everything, whether it's um, iOS 16, iPadOS 16 and, and macOS 13, mm. a lot of the same things are coming to all of them. But what they showed at Ventura was this stage manager. Ah, yes. And I liked that. I, I know, really, I knew and you would. I, it's not specifically for desktops where I have multi, multiple screens, but when I'm out of my laptop, mm. um, I like the look of that of being able to have quickly accessible workspaces. Um, it really, and not having to switch between screens and over and back, it just yeah. looked, the only thing that I, I kind of, that got me on it was when they showed it on the iPad was I looked at it and I went, and now you've got less screen size or screen, screen real estate to work with. Um, because the, the resizing of the windows, it, it, it resizes to a predefined grid, not mm. completely free size. I was like, well, if, if you just use kind of like split view, you've got more real estate, but now you're getting the dock back at the bottom, you're getting the stage manager apps at the side. So what you're working on, you've actually got even less space to work with. So I kind of went, oh, I don't know, maybe, well, maybe we, if you're, if you've got Yeah, but remember, like, you monitor. know, if, if you have the iPad Pro, it'd be okay. Cause like, I mean, those if are you very only similar. work on the iPad Pro. Yeah. Oh, because anything, it, need, it needs the okay. M1 chip. 
Is the iPad Pro the only one with the M1? Oh no, the iPad Air has it now as well, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. another thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about Mac OS, but definitely on the iPad, you need an M1 um, yeah. iPad. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. on the on the Mac as well, it needs an M M chip as well. Does so it? Okay. yeah, it needs the Apple Silicon chip as well. Oh. Um, something to do with the way it works with virtual RAM. Uh, so it okay. um, it probably is something that could be done, mm. but knowing the way Apple things do things, that they they keep the features for things that they know will optimize the performance. They don't want a substandard um, experience with it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So other than that, there was a great thing in mail. And do you ever remember me telling you that this is something that I wanted to do in mail? Remind me later, add something to your, like that you get an email in mm-hmm. and you can just say, snooze this until this time or yes. for one hour. Yes, do you I remember telling you that yes, about I do two actually, years yeah. ago? Yeah. Um, and uh, saying that I would love that. It's coming. Brilliant. I'm delighted. I actually am delighted with that because my mail program, my inbox is my to-do list, mm. right? So if I get something in and somebody says, will you do this for me at Friday at three o'clock? I don't want to have to add that to my calendar to tell me to go back and look at the mail to do it. If I can just say snooze this until Friday, Friday at three o'clock, then it pops back into my inbox. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Delighted with that. I can't wait to use that um, as long as it syncs across devices so that if I snooze it on my Mac, it will pop back in on my phone later on when I'm... Yeah, I'd say you probably would. Yeah, you see, it's yeah. I, I, I hope it does. I actually, I only just thought about it there for a second. Hmm. I just went, wait a sec. That know. better sync across iCloud. Okay, I hope it does. Anyway, I, I think it will. Yeah. yeah. See, you, you won't be able to use it with IMAP accounts and things like that because they don't support it. So it's 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 a feature of the program. So if you snooze it in the program, the program has to tell something to tell it to do oh, the yeah, same thing course, on yeah. the other on the other device. I hope it does. I'm going to mm. actually, do you know what? I'd nearly install a beta just to try that out. <laughs> uh, uh, I might get to that. I might get to that. Um, other things in mail were undo send. Don't know how that's going to work because you can't undo a send in standard SMTP and IMAP um, unless they do it the way Microsoft is where you get another email in saying this person wants to recall that message and you're like, you can't recall it. It's just deleted. Um, so you can't do undo send on it anyway. So I don't know how that's going to work. No. Um, like the way Gmail does it, for example, if you mm. um, you can set a timer. So mm. when you press the send button, it would actually won't send it for X amount of seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, and uh, there's okay, better search, different things inside it. There's a scheduled send as well, where you can send it later on. I have anecdotally heard that if you set something for sh- scheduled send, mm-hmm. and then you shut down your machine. And then you come back to it and it's after the send time, the thing is stuck in your outbox. And when you start it up after the send time, it doesn't go out. Ouch. Yeah. So that's obviously part of the beta. So they're going to have to improve that and get that right. Again, that would have to be something in iCloud that it synchronizes so that it knows that even if your machine is off, Mm. that it sends it anyway. So it's going to have to be something that's going to be taken off the machine. uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I mean, they'll have to. Yeah. I don't know, work out the privacy uh, mm. of that as well. So yeah. you never know. Yeah. So Safari got some upgrades to privacy and shared tab groups. Mm. Uh, there was a big thing about collaboration and we saw this in iPadOS as well, um, about collaborating over and back with documents, um, which looked quite good about the, the increased collaboration. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I just want to go on to one of the big things. Uh, passwordless future, oh. using pass keys and biometrics. So instead of when you go to a website, mm. that there's a pass key saved on your devices, mm-hmm. stored in your keychain, and it will use that to log in. So it means that everybody's going to start upgrading their websites. 
to allow the use of passkeys. Yeah. And I think this is great if all companies start supporting this, uh, whether it's Apple, Google, Microsoft, if they all start supporting these uh, biometrics. We actually talked about this, I think, two, uh, two months ago about what a mammoth task it's going to be oh, yeah. to change everything to a passwordless login. It's great to see it started. Because start sometime, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, because they have Apple, Google and Microsoft have expanded our support for this passwordless sign-ins and it's great to see it starting because if we start getting um, pass keys to log into stuff, even pass keys, they're actually saying that, you know, the, the capture devices that come up on screens, like, you know, prove you're not a robot. Yeah. Pass keys can be used for that because it proves that you are a real person. So you can authenticate with your phone or your your face or your you touch ID. Someone's going to figure out a way to do with a bot. Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that's uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. It's just um, data being sent from one place to yeah. the other. If they can simulate the data, they can mm, get it out there. Yeah. On the iPad, then same improve same improvements. Um, the then um, to from what iOS and macOS get collaboration with an API for Collab. The Freeform app looked very good for actually doing kind of brainstorming sessions. And after only 12 years of waiting, the weather app comes to iPad OS. After only 12 years of an iPad wow. being out. Now, that, now that's performance. That is groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, I think they should be applauded for that. We should probably yeah. stand up and clap here right now. <laughs> if I was to applaud yeah. them for anything um, out of that whole thing. Yeah. It would be the amount of APIs that they're supporting now. Like they, they seem yes. to be really doing well with yes. that side of yeah. things. Yeah. Um, yes. So I'll give them a round of applause for that. Um, I'm sure iPhone developers did, would be. A I lo- did a lot notice happier. that yeah. that everything that they were talking about, even yeah. even with the weather app, that there's a weather kit as well, lot yeah. for other weather apps. Kits for everything yeah. they announced. They, yeah. yeah, it was actually quite good. They're really getting mm-hmm. open, um, opening up on that that people can interface yeah. into exactly. all so these different. They're not just keeping it. it for themselves. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now. One thing that I know, and we'll end on this, Dave, is, um, I don't know if you know, is that the amount of times they've referenced this search on the web stuff, mm-hmm. that if you look something up in Spotlight or you're doing things and you're finding stuff in different areas and even Siri results and everything like that, mm-hmm. I found this from the web. Are Apple building their own search engine? We talked about earlier on Oof. about DuckDuckGo and no. we talked about uh, Google and Bing and everything. The amount of results that are being shown in different areas all across the operating systems on all devices Mm. that see more from the web, search on the web. I just saw it a lot more than I've ever seen it before. So indirectly, I just saw, looked at it and said, they haven't said anything about this, but are they starting to build their own search engine that is going to be across all all their devices? Well, well, two things, right? Uh, One thing that... um, Steve Jobs said back in was it when he appeared with Bill Gates on that what was it called again the you know the the tech show that was mm-hmm. oh appeared, yeah, yeah yeah all things D all things D that's yeah. it right he appeared um, with Bill Gates on that one and he basically I think he said something along the lines of if other companies have figured out how to do it great then we don't need to build it up, reinvent the yeah. wheel basically is what it summed up as yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, Dave, just mm. before we go, um, Amazon Prime Day is coming July 12th and 13th. Yes. Um, Alexa Live, which is the Alexa Developers com- uh, Conference, is coming on July 20th. And I just want to highlight as well that the Lero project um, out in UL in the Science Foundation um, Ireland, the Research Centre for Software, um, they have teamed up with 
Provisio to develop artificial intelligence tools to end traffic accidents on the world world's roads. So that's a great one for um, for Lero, our own local Limerick um, enterprise. Okay, Dave, thanks again for joining me for another uh, episode, and we'll be back again next month. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Tech Post is brought to you by Limerick City Community Radio 99.9 FM every weekend and in association with the Limerick Post newspaper. It also goes out as part of the podcast feed from the Limerick Post where you can get this show and loads more great shows. Please give us a rating and review if you like this show in whatever podcast app you use. Don't forget you can get in touch with us at techpost at limerickpost.ie if you have any questions, comments or suggestions or if you'd like to be featured on the show. Theme music is by Dylan Flynn and the Dead Poets and you can get their great music on Apple Music and Spotify and production assistance from Eric Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm.